I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello and welcome back to Kinda Cute and if you are new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan, I'm your host and on Kinda Cute we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. I'm going to be hitting you guys with some quick fire updates today because I have so many. So there's not going to be cute segues, we're just going to bam 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 slam them all out and I think you'll enjoy. First up, Mindy Kaling, you know I love her, we talked about her in the Never Have I Ever segment. She is co-writing Legally Blonde 3. I think this is a match made in cinematic heaven, and I cannot wait to see it. I usually don't have a lot of faith in sequels, but I have faith in Mindy, so I'm I'm just so excited. A wild couple came to my attention last week, and that is that Bindi Irwin's cousin, if you'll recall, Bindi Irwin is the deceased, that sounds awful, the late Steve Irwin's daughter and her cousin Megan Blake is dating Skeet Ulrich. He plays JP Jones on Riverdale. He's Jughead's dad and he is exactly twice her age in real life. She is 25 and he is 50 years old which also means that he was 25 when she was born. So just let that soak in. In my opinion, she was trying to drum up some press by posting a photo on Insta that makes it seem like they are engaged. They are not, and he confirmed on his Insta Live, and he also said that he is leaving Riverdale Season 5 because of the following. I'm leaving Riverdale because I got bored creatively, he said. How's that? The most honest answer. I'm leaving Riverdale because I got bored creatively. How's that? Well, okay. I mean, I don't blame him because that show has taken some right, left, in the gutter turns as of late. I had, I didn't even finish season four, but now that it's on Netflix, I know I really need to just get back into it because I do like it. I like the characters. I like how off the wall it is, but it's just, it got to a point where it started losing me. Speaking of other bizarre couplings, oh wait guys, I did have a segue. Look at that. Somehow gained a lot of clout in the stratosphere of celeb culture. I find him very entertaining. He was in this movie Nerve with Emma Roberts and Dave Franco. I paid good money at the theater to see that and I found it very entertaining. So he's kind of like, you know, an ingenue. He's he's an actor. He's a rapper. He's he's a social media star. But he's also around my age. I think he's 30. Megan Fox is a little bit older, but it's been confirmed that she's no longer with Brian Austin Green of 90210 fame. And again, I think this is a total publicity play to amp up their new music video together, which just released. I mean, it's it's the perfect play. Think of, you're newly divorced. Rumors of you being with someone new and then a music video drops. It's the perfect storm of publicity. As a side note, I think that Machine Gun Kelly would be hella fun to hang out with. Everyone seems to want to hang out with him except for Jeff Lewis, who was on that Bravo show, They Are Neighbors, and apparently he is very over Machine Gun Kelly's antics. So Machine Gun, he actually has a first name. I hate referring to him as Machine Gun, but I don't remember his real name. He sent him over a bottle of Dom or Cristal or something like that. So I don't know. I just think he sounds like a fun little character. I'd like to get to meet him one day. My friend Elena, she gets talked about on this a lot. She has like dreams about hanging out with him and she says it's really fun. And I believe that. I think that's just a manifestation and it's going to happen one day. We talked last week about the insane Rob Pattinson GQ article where he makes some bizarro pasta dish. 
And Tyler Oakley, who's a YouTuber, did a video of him recreating this pasta dish based on the GQ article, which, as we discussed, <laughs> the directions are, like, not complete. He uses Frosted Flakes instead of breadcrumbs. And Rob Pattinson doesn't give – it's just – Again, go back and listen to the last episode. I won't repeat everything I said. But Tyler Oakley makes his pasta thing. He says it actually wasn't that bad. And Tyler used American craft cheese. And I think it could have been so much better if he had used like a nice mozzarella, even just a sharp cheddar. But he said it wasn't that bad. But I just don't believe it. And it's so ugly. And it just looks like something a stoner would do if it was the only food he had left in his house. I watched The Row last night. The Row is a slasher film, and it stars Lala Kent of Vanderpump Rules fame. Ladies, welcome to Phi Lambda. You guys take care of each other. I promise I will check in with you every day. Bye, Dad. This is college. Have a little fun. And it was obviously produced by Emil. Emil. What is his name? Randall. Randall Emmett. I was like, whoa, I totally transposed. Randall Emmett, he produced it. And I actually love Randall. I listened to Lala and Randall's podcast and I totally get why they work together. I think it's a pairing that doesn't make sense right off the bat, but once you get into it, it makes sense. So it's this slasher film and I'm hoping that the reason it was so shoddily shot and uses these really low budge effects is because it was really trying to play off the... 80s slasher film kind of in that Halloween psycho style sorry I know psycho was not the 1980s but I think it it just was trying to play off that aesthetic if you will and there's a lot of just weird male fantasy grossness like I just think the whole thing was presented of like what males presume sorority life to be like and with no sense of reality or research there's even this line where the girl who plays Lala's best friend they're at a party they're at a frat party the frat bro asks her what mixer she wants and she's like pineapple and she insinuates that she wants this as a mixer to make her vag taste better and I'm like I'm sorry that's just something only a man could write that a woman did not write that line and I'm all for you know sex positivity but I just don't believe it it also has a ton of tropes like I said you have the slasher you have Lala playing a virgin you have people being slashed after they have sex which is like the oldest trope of last time and like that the last girl is a virgin I'm like really Randall we couldn't have we couldn't have gone a little more creative here that being said I enjoyed it a lot more than a lot of Netflix movies I've watched and it's on Hulu if you want to check it out and discuss it with me and really why I wanted to talk about this is because I think Lala Kent is a star. I thought she was such a good actress. I was thinking it the whole time. And then afterwards, Kinsey turns to me and she's like, Lala was really good. And I was like, right? She was really good. Let's give the girl a hand. So I hope in 10 years from now, Lala is up there accepting her Oscar from a Randall Emmett produced film. That's what I'm manifesting today. On top of being friends with Machine Gun Kelly. Let me have multiple dreams, guys. Now, I know, I think it was just last week we talked about, or the week before, we talked about Martha, Martha Stewart. I'm sorry. Martha, she's my best bud. She was quarantining with her gardener. And it talked about in that how her gardener was kind of producing her video content and filming the stuff for her and like helping with her social media. And just keep that in mind as I tell you what I'm about to tell you and I felt like I had to include this story even though we just talked about it 
And I will be shocked if every pop culture podcast does not talk about this because it is that fire of a subject. Now, as a precursor to what I'm about to say, I have not looked into this or researched it. I'm purely just giving you my thoughts based on the caption I saw last night and the caption I saw this morning, okay? So to set the scene for you, it is Martha. This is on her Martha Stewart 48 account, which is her personal account and not her brand one, just to clarify. It's Martha in a kitchen. She's banging on chicken breasts to make them flatten out. And the song playing in the background is Rihanna's work featuring Drake. And the caption says the following, and I quote. Now, this is what it said as of last night. Martha pounding butterfly chicken breast, wishing she was pounding someone's question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. At bad gal Riri featuring Drake at champagne poppy. Okay, so that is quote unquote the caption. Who is Martha wishing she was pounding? Now, the mystery here is that the caption, when I looked at it right before I was about to record the podcast, because I just want to make sure I was getting it right, I'd screenshotted it last night and I wanted to go look at the comments. It now says, Martha preparing chicken breasts, pounding them for chicken piccata limone. Bagal Riri featuring Drake at Champagne Poppy. <laughs> like, where did this change occur? So I have two theories here. Again, haven't researched this, have no idea the veracity of this, but these are my theories. Theory A, the gardener sent her a draft of the video that he shot and he put that caption in the notes as a joke and she just threw it up there, like not even really getting what it meant, just going with the flow. Well, I say that, that was my theory, but she does hang out with Snoop Dogg a lot, so I don't think I can, like, I don't think she can play that dumb. Now, my second theory is that Martha is having too many quarantinis. She was three sheets to the wind and was feeling a little frisky. And maybe this was a shout out to Bad Gal Riri and Champagne, Champagne Poppy. <laughs> like maybe she wants a little Drake Riri action, which I would not complain about. All right, guys, this is where in the updates you really need to buckle the fuck in because we have to talk about a new Fox show called Labor of a Love. Now, I am sure there will be a cut article written about this. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a weekly cut recap of this show, because it is so off the wall, it has to be covered. I, I, I almost feel weird covering it. I just couldn't not. So to give you a little bit of background, it follows this woman. She's 41 years old. Her name is Chrissy, and she's very determined to have children she's trying to find basically a sperm donor now this is where it gets a little fuzzy she explains that she wants to find the father for her children but it's not clear to me if she's just looking for a sperm donor to make an embryo with her frozen eggs or if she really wants to wham bam thank you ma'am with one of these men and like have a baby or if she wants to marry one of these men it's very unclear but that is the premise she's it's it's a setup like a bachelorette but instead of picking someone to get engaged to she's picking someone to have her spawn Weirdly, Kristen Davis is the host. That's Charlotte on Sex and the City. And like I said, Chrissy's the main girl. She was actually on Brad Womack's season of The Bachelor, so I'm sure she's very familiar with the setup. It's it's well-produced, I'd say, and well-shot, but corny as hell. For example, when Christy meets up with Kristen Davis for the, same, for the first time, also kind of weird that it's Christy and Kristen and they're spelled the same way, like K-R-I-S-T, I don't know. So she meets Christy, she 
Kristen gives Christy a peach pie because they are filming this in Georgia. To me, it seemed like that was some weird American pie joke. It made me uncomfortable. Now, I'm about to read you a line that was actually said on this show that is maybe the single most uncomfy line I have heard on reality TV, and that is saying something because I watched Too Hot to Handle. It says, they want to skip the dating and go straight to baby making. And then, Christy will choose one man to become the father of her child. I mean, ew. Ew. I'm cringing. And to be clear, I am so pro women taking hold of their fertility health, taking control of it, doing whatever it means for them to have a child. And I do think Kristen Davis was a good choice for this because she does have adopted children. So I totally see why this was a good match for her. I'm sorry that Sex in the City 3 isn't happening to give her better work, but I, I get the pairing. So the part of this that really blew my mind is that they're at a cocktail party that at first seems like your standard run-of-the-mill bachelor cocktail party where they get to know each other. She would get to know the men. Oh, but no, 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 no. Instead, the men are given sperm collection cups Mm -hmm. to test the quality of their sperm. Jesus, take the wheel. And then they make them go get the sperm sample in one of those bougie porta potty things they have at music festivals. At the ones I go to, it's called VIP, as in P-E-E, get it, haha. <laughs> they have it labeled as like a portable sperm donation center, but it's literally just a bougie porta potty. And they have to go in, there's like six at a time, and while they're all in there, Christy and Kristen and the other men are just standing outside as they get the sperm collection done. Guys, I'm sorry if I just blew your ears out while I was talking about that, but please, please slide into the DMs. I ask you guys every week, all I want to do is have someone to talk about this with. Please. You can find me at Bailey Evan, B-A-I-L-E-Y-E-V-I-N on Instagram or Kinda Cute Podcast. DM me. I will I will discuss all you want. At this point, like you could fucking Zoom call me and I'd be down to talk. Lastly, for our updates, if you enjoy Kinda Cute, I would love it if you rate, reviewed, and subscribed on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen to your pods. And now up our first article of the day from the cut. What is Call Her Daddy and Why Is It Fighting by Madeline Aguilar? It feels only fitting as a podcast to get really meta right now and talk about a podcast on this podcast. So first up, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background about what Call Her Daddy, the podcast, is. It is literally one of the most popular podcasts, so I would be almost shocked if you are a podcast listener and you haven't heard of it. But it's two girls, Sophia Franklin and Alexandra Cooper, and they discuss sex in a very frank way. They are very young. I want to say they are only 24 or 25, about my sister's age, but they seem to have racked up a lot of knowledge, way more than I could ever expect to have. And they kind of, Alex especially is known for dating professional athletes. She very famously dated the bas- or baseball player named Thor. And I think that's kind of how she became to be known. She was already kind of an influencer in her own right because people knew her as dating Thor. She's very gorgeous. They're both very pretty girls, like typical hot girls. And they start this podcast where they very frankly talk about sex. And I mean, I'm talking like in a way that I haven't heard before. Very, very explicit, 
very in like a comedic way it honestly is hard to explain until you hear their style because I do think it is unique to them everything blew up with call her daddy within the past month last month April 8th I think was their very last episode that they recorded and in the meantime they were sending all these kind of cryptic messages almost making it seem like they were imprisoned by Barstool Sports Barstool Sports is the network that they podcast under and podcast sports has been around for years it's a very popular media creator especially in the sports world like in the frat bro world president of call her daddy went on to their podcast feed and published an episode it's about 30 minutes long and he explained everything that happened now i don't know if i want to take everything he says at face value because he is a crusty old white man and he has a lot of money and power so Who's to say what he's saying is true? But he made it clear that even though he's vulgar and sexist, he tells the truth. So take of that what you will. And he explains a scenario where he saw Alex formulating a podcast. She had dropped a trailer on her YouTube channel, on her Instagram. He knew who she was because she dated Thor. So he decides that he wants to approach her to have the podcast on Barstool Sports Network. She agrees, but she says, you know, I'm also doing the show with Sophia. So it's like a package deal. And at the time, they agreed to split the podcast 50-50. But one of the things that was set in stone was that Barstool Sports would own the intellectual property of Call Her Daddy. Intellectual property is super important in the creative world because otherwise, you could just take your intellectual property wherever and leave the network that you have a contract with. So it makes sense that Barstool Sports was really adamant about owning the IP to call her daddy. Now, the other shocking thing about this podcast is that it was not a slow burn. It started in 2018 and literally blew the hell up to such crazy amounts. I don't think anyone who was involved was expecting it. And of course, they were making a shit ton of money because the way their contract was set up was that they made a $70,000 base salary. And mind you, this was apparently before they had even shown how their performance would be. They had no idea how successful it was going to be because the contract was signed before they had even released an episode. Again, I'm telling you what David Portnoy said on the episode, so we can take all of this with a grain of salt. I haven't seen any of the contracts. So fast forward to 2020 and the girls... Oh, I'm sorry. 70000 was their base salary, but they were making way more because they had bonuses based on downloads, ad revenue, merch sales. They were getting a percentage of everything. And by the end of 2019, Sophia had made in the high 400000s and Alex had made 501 k Pretty similar when you're dealing with that high of numbers. And it was because Alex had kind of come up with the idea. She did the editing for the podcast. So that's why she made a little more. She had gone to Barstool. She asked for a raise. She got it. They had plans where they could renegotiate their contract after a year. But instead of doing that, it turns out that Sophia with her boyfriend was shopping around the podcast to other networks. And apparently with the knowledge of Alex too. Barstool kind of catches wind of this, that they're just shopping it to other big networks. And... They flip out and they're like, we're basically like, you can't do that. We're going to sue you because we have a binding contract. And just as an aside, like it's really crazy to me when people just blatantly try to get out of contracts without even approaching the other side to see if it can be amended in any way. Because 
most of the time, contracts are binding, especially when someone of the size of Barstool Sports obviously had a lawyer draft their contract that would be super binding without loopholes. It's not like they were just some little corner place that didn't know what the hell they were doing. So it's interesting to me that they took this approach and were just like, okay, I guess we're going to just break our contract. Anyways, again, it's all, there's a lot of more he said, she said stuff, but that's sort of the main idea is that there was all these contract disputes. Alex was like, I'm willing to keep doing the con- the, the podcast, but Sophia is not going to accept it. And that's where we stand. So she's like, I'll I'll separate from Sophia and I'll just do my own podcast on, on Barstool. Hi guys, this is Bailey from the future editing. One thing I wanted to touch on was that during some of these talks that Dave says he has with Alex and Sophia, he agrees to give them 100% of the IP, the intellectual property, to call her daddy. And that is a crucial part of this to keep in mind because according to Dave, he was letting them get out of their contract early and have all of their IP, which basically they could have made buku bucks if they had accepted that. Because on top of that, he was giving them a 500K base salary each, a bigger cut in the merch, and all these extra bonuses they'd be able to earn. So now we still don't know where we stand. We don't, Sophia releases an Instagram story apologizing, saying what happened from her side, but it's super vague. And what I haven't mentioned yet is this man who goes by Suitman on the podcast. Sophia talks about him a lot. She's been dating him. In real life, his name is Peter Nelson, and he is a president of HBO Sports, or a vice president. And apparently he was the one kind of puppeteering this whole thing. And Dave Portnoy says that's because Peter Nelson had beef with David Portnoy. So it's all just a bunch of drama. And, you know, people are upset that they were making that much when they literally record one podcast a week. And I totally see that side of it because I'm sure they weren't putting in a ton of man hours to do their podcast. But what happened with this particular podcast was a lightning in the in a bottle situation. You know, the top A-list actors get paid way more, millions per movie than someone who's new on the scene. And I think that's kind of what happened with the Call Her Daddy Girls. It started out as something that they just didn't had no concept of the scale it could be at and now feel like they are probably worth millions, which in all honesty, based on the numbers they're pulling in and their ad revenue, they probably are. So I definitely see both sides of it, but it's just, it's almost kind of that problem when you have people who are so young and so thrown into this world and not knowing how to navigate it that I have sympathy for them on that side. I have... You know, and especially with Sophia dating an older man who I'm sure she put trust in. And again, I could just be talking about legit fiction right now. Who knows how much of this is true? I just rambled on basically for the length of a whole podcast, but I'm just so invested in this drama and I I don't know why, but I can't stop. Now, one of the things I thought was crazy was it's the last episode that they posted was titled Kesha, The End. And they opened it by playing a clip from Prang, which was Kesha's 2017 single about trying to get out from under Dr. Luke. And they say, we're going to let you guys interpret that however you want. So that to me is wild that they're like comparing Kesha's 
alleged sexual abuse to what happened at Barstool. So it makes you kind of wonder, is there way more going on to this story? And guys, I'm sorry, I didn't read any of Madeline's way more eloquent writing. I just spewed off all of my thoughts about it. But if you want to dive in, there's a New York Times article about it. You can read the whole cut article. But I tried to give you guys like a good baseline of what is happening. But I'm so interested to see where this goes in the future. If the two girls can kind of repair their friendship. Because during the course of this, it I think it's kind of fallen apart. And they were literally sister level best friends. So there's just a lot on the line. It's it's not just a contract. It's human relationships too. And I definitely feel from them on that side. Because... I think it's you want to be able to start a business with your best friend and succeed together and grow with them and go through all these crazy experiences and then for something like this to happen it's it's heartbreaking honestly all right something way lighter i love this ridiculous show about amateur florist by sanjita singh kurtz our girl i watched about three episodes of this the other night because kenzie and i will watch any show that has cozy british vibes and I was into it. It has so many flowers in it. Holy shit. <laughs> to give you an idea of what it's about, it is teams of two florists or people who kind of work in the plant industry or the art industry, and they have to make huge sculptures, like basically what you would see at like Epcot at the flower festival out of um, flowers, grass. They have a theme. Like the first week they had to do bugs. They had to do animals. So this is what Sanjita writes. So far, the big flower fight has not received a very warm reception from critics. For a show that is about people who are obsessed with plants, it's been described in rather harsh terms. So dramatic, a slavish yet limited copycatting of GBBO, and unnecessary. Some people have pointed out that gigantic flower installations are not a thing, while others have decided that the word fight in the show's title is a gimmick suggesting drama that ends up being humdrum. Well, to that, I say way harsh, high, way, <laughs> way harsh, Ty. This is very sad because faux dramatic humdrum in service of creating something totally unnecessary. Giant flower sculptures is one of the reasons the big flower fight is an excellent watch. That's what Sanjita writes. And I agree with her. I just want something to soothe my weary soul, not just during this time, but all times. So I say watch the big flower fight. Is it stupid? Is it dumb? Is it anything really substantive? No, but is it just kind of cute? It's kind of cute. All right, our last article of the day. My wealthiest clients are begging for plastic surgery in quarantine by Stephen Levine as told to Alyssa Shalaski. Stephen Levine is a top plastic surgeon in New York City. So he's describing the experience he's had since quarantine began. And he says, The demand from wealthy and celebrity clients to get work done, facelifts, tummy tuck, breast augmentation while no one is looking, while they have nowhere to be, is extremely high. Sadly, my answer is either no or not just yet. So I get the desire, you know, to want to do this right now, even though I think we all have bigger things to be worried about. So he goes on to say, there's a lot of people saying, I want your staff to sign non-disclosure agreements. Some people want me to personally spend the night at their house after surgery to make sure they're okay. For the most famous celebrities, they want me to come to their homes for all of their post-op appointments so they never have to be seen in the office. First of all, it is 2020, and why are we still living with this level of secrecy around plastic surgery? Why is there shame in that game when we can all look 
at celebrities. And even if they have had the most subtle surgery known to man, we know they are doing it. So why are we being so covert about it? And why do famous celebrities think that like they can make a, a renowned doctor come sleep in their house? I mean, that's just crossing a line. That's worth the Martha with her gardener. So he says, I think the requests for face, neck, eyes, and nose are constant at the moment because people are looking at themselves on Zoom all day analyzing their angles. This I can totally relate to because I literally have a tabletop Zoom light to make myself not look busted in Zoom calls. Mindy Kaling, since we were talking about her earlier, she also posted a meme and it was like, it was talking about Zoom calls in the first one. She just has her computer on the desk. And then the second part of the meme, she has her computer stacked on multiple pillows. And it's like, ah, oh, much better. And that's exactly how I feel. Like, I don't need those up-the-nose angles. I need my ring light because I can't, my computer is not in front of a window. I highly recommend natural light if you can get it and you want to look better on Zoom. But, you know, sometimes that's not an option. So I say there is no shame in the plastic surgery game. There is no shame in the ring light game. I also really loved this part, and this is another thing I'd like you guys' thoughts on. He says, one very well-known entrepreneur wanted to come to my office on the Upper East Side and get her face done, like yesterday. She offered me more than four times my usual fee, all cash, and told me she'd have her lawyer draft a non-disclosure that she wouldn't tell anyone we did it. I told her, I love you to death, but no. And to that I say, Bethany Frankel, is that you? And like the fact that they're getting like non-disclosure, I just appreciate this doctor because I don't feel like he is ruining his integrity just for money. And maybe that's why he actually like wrote this article or told this story to the cut because he didn't want anyone to think he had done shady shit during quarantine. I don't know. It's a lot to digest. Guys, thank you for coming on this journey with me today. We have arrived at legit shit. And this is something I bought over quarantine that I wanted to share with you guys in case you are doing a little bit of home makeover. It is the CB2 Gallery Black Picture Frames. Now, I have purchased a lot of frames over Amazon. I had one custom done at Michael's. That was so freaking expensive. My Amazon ones sometimes look a little cheap. I have ones from Ikea. But I think I found a really great mid-range option so it's a little more expensive uh the one i bought i think was around 70 dollars but it's the cb2 gallery black picture frames they come in multiple sizes and they have a nice thick white mat and they're very sturdy feeling and they just look nice i don't know how to explain it then they just look nice and i was a little worried buying it online but i think the quality is really there it's not chintzy at all it's definitely a heavyweight mirror so that's it for today and i will see you guys next week bye